stay tuned for our final show on the series of Christian Polygamy next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. You know, it's really quite surprising how many people, especially in the Christian community, who adopt the idea that since polygamy is described in the Bible with no condemning terms, that Christians are free to practice it. There are several websites that are full of information seeking to justify polygamy and to recruit others into their so-called Christian polygamous lifestyle. In part one, we read an email from a viewer who asked us to review some of those websites and do some shows to review the claim, refute the claims made by so-called Christian polygamists. And this is the final part of our three-part series discussing the scriptures they twist to make polygamy sound okay. In reading some of the comments on those websites, they reveal their inability to rightly divide the Word of God, we quote his <laughs> command on that. Yeah, I'm from Second <clears throat> Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now that's what, that's what we're supposed to do, rightly dividing the word of truth. It means there's a wrong way to look at it and a right way. Now it's odd, uh, the, the, the following verses that these Christian polygamists use as proof text that polygamy existed in the New Testament church, so it's okay for it to exist in today's church. We quote these three verses. Yeah, they're just so simple and telling. 1 Timothy 3.2 and 3.12, Now the overseer must be, must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. And from Titus 1.6, an elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife. Now, we've used these verses before in various shows and contexts, um, but in this context, the writer of the web page claims, or complains, I should say, that we use these verses to support monogamy, but that the word translated one wife actually means a wife, that a man must have a wife. Oh. Or if you got a wife, you can have more than a wife. But anyway, the biblical Greek scholars translate the passage to mean exactly what it says. In fact, it can also be correctly translated as saying a one-woman man. In the Greek language, that verse could also mean that just as clearly. And this is true in all three of the verses that we quoted. <clears throat> Now, taking all of the Bible that deals with monogamy versus polygamy, every passage, as it's interpreted, must agree with the other passages on that topic. And these do. These three verses do, because monogamy was God's way from the beginning, and He hasn't changed His ways. Now, God wants male church leaders to be one-woman men. That's what it's saying. And they compare apples to bananas commonly on their website. Here's one example. <laughs> on top of that, think about what that requirement would really mean. King David, Solomon, Moses, Abraham, Josiah, just to name a few of the prominent polygamists in the Bible, 
all disqualified from leadership in the church. Weird outcome, if you ask me. Actually, yes. <laughs> if these men were placed in the New Testament church context, they would be ineligible to serve in church leadership. But Christ's church didn't even exist in those days of the Old Testament patriarchs and kings. And God had already told the kings not to take multiple wives. God is certainly consistent. The leaders then shouldn't take multiple wives, and the leaders in the New Testament church shouldn't take multiple wives. In Genesis and Matthew, it is said of a monogamous couple that the two shall be one flesh. Yeah. Now, he talks about that as well. We quote from biblicalpolygamy.com. Yeah, that's such a twist. There's nothing the Bible that teaches there's nothing the Bible that teaches about what it means to be one flesh that requires that a person can only be one flesh with another person. You will become one flesh with any person you have sex with. Neither in Corinthians or anywhere else in scripture are we given any limit on the number of people we can become one flesh with. Now that's really pushing it, isn't it? Now that may be true regarding the act itself. It isn't true in the spirit of the teaching. What Jesus said to the Pharisees applies also to the author of this webpage. He said, you are in error because you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. God has ordained one man and one woman for a monogamous marriage and the entire Bible supports his original plan. And there's a passage in Malachi that plainly established that the one flesh is one wife. Yeah, Malachi chapter 2, 13 through 15. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altars with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth, because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit? They are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Now, this is translated very strange in the King James Version. But if you get another other Bibles and study into the language, you can, you can read uh, clearly what this is saying. And it is saying that these men had broken faith with their monogamous marriages right. and gone out and, and, believe it or not, males commit adultery. That's what they've done. And God is saying, you can't do that. This is pointing to the man who breaks faith with a singular wife, one wife, his sweetheart, his sweetheart, his partner, his wife of his monogamous marriage covenant. And verse 15 clearly states that two people are one in marriage, both in flesh and spirit. A man cannot be one with more than one partner, not in both flesh and spirit, not according to God's original design, which Jesus confirmed. And if a man, as they claim, can be one with more than one partner, so can a woman, opening the door for females to have many husbands that she can be with. But men shudder at such an idea. They expect women to surrender to what they are unwilling to do themselves. Of course, neither is sanctioned by God. 
Now, there's a scandalous amount of heretical teaching on pro-polygamous websites, and we can't even come close to addressing all of it. But to balance out our show, we quoted a lot of it, and a lot of it makes me shudder. But to balance out our show, we need to also share what biblical scholars have to say about polygamy. One of them is Herbert Lockyer from a book entitled All the Teachings of Jesus, published by Hendrickson Publishers. I want to begin with what he said about Lamech. <laughs> the first to pervert the divine order of marriage was Lamech, the descendant of Cain. After Lamech, polygamy became more widespread with even leaders of Israel having more than one wife. Like other sins, this one was endured by God but never approved. Mankind began with a monogamous relationship, but through sin, man fell in polygamy and divorce. Okay, dealing with marriage there, which God deals with that in the right. Bible too. Jesus taught about marriage in the New Testament. And take careful note of this, that Jesus' instructions in Matthew 19 declares God's will about marriage from the very beginning, we quote. <laughs> Matthew 19, chapter, uh, verses 8 through 8 and 9. Moses, not God, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, commits adultery. And whoso marries her which is put away, does commit adultery. Okay, so we've got the standard there that Jesus has said from the beginning. In other words, Jesus affirmed that nothing has changed in the mind of God. We quote Herbert Lockyer again. A little more explanation here. Jesus took his questioners back to Moses, enforcing his teaching, declared that monogamy, one man living with one woman as prescribed by the Creator, was the divine and original plan for marriage. The Pharisees went back to the law. Jesus took them back to the original plan. The human race, by the will, purpose, and power of God, began with a monogamous union between man and woman, a mutual union. And that's it. The, the very fact that that's the way it started sets the standard for the entire human race. It simply cannot be a mutual union, a union of one man and one woman being one flesh when there's other partners hanging around in the background waiting for their turn. Mm -hmm. Jesus even took the idea further when he said in Matthew chapter 19 that just looking at another man's wife is lust, in lust is adultery. Another instance where a male can be guilty of adultery. Well, he said they couldn't. Right. Jesus also taught that marriage belongs to this created world and that in the world to come there will be no marriage relationships. After God had finished his creation, and I think this is really important. Yeah. In Genesis 1.31, it tells us that God looks at his old creation, everything that he had made, and it was very good. And that statement includes the monogamous marriage that God himself had brought together. And he said it was very good. No place do we find where God said polygamy was very good, not even a little bit good. <laughs> polygamy was never in his original plan. There's no place where God has blessed polygamy, but he has blessed monogamy. Polygamy is condemned in the Old Testament in Leviticus 18, and every polygamy story in the Bible has a negative outcome. Now, these websites think that these things have no bearing on whether polygamy is right or not, but God puts things in the Bible for a purpose. Yes, He does. In the New Testament, 
the words of Jesus concerning marriage and the qualifications for church leadership shows that monogamy was the expected behavior and polygamy was not acceptable. And we've discussed in detail 1 Corinthians 7-2 where polygamy is prohibited. Uh, we want to quote Bible scholar Ron Rhodes what he wrote about that. Monogamy has always been God's will for human beings. From the very beginning, God set the pattern by creating a monogamous marriage relationship with one man and one woman. This God-established example of one woman for one man was the general practice of the human race until interrupted by sin in Genesis 4. The law of Moses clearly commands that the king shall not acquire many wives, Deuteronomy 17, 17, and our Lord affirmed God's original intention for one male and one female to be joined in marriage in Matthew 19:4. The New Testament stresses that each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. That's again 1 Corinthians 7:2. So how can we get, bypass all of these scriptures and make it mean something that it isn't intended That's to mean true. at all? Every Christian Bible scholar whom I've read who knows biblical Greek and Hebrew disagree with the pro-polygamists on 1 Corinthians 7-2 and other Bible passages that polygamists use to justify polygamy. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit. We found instructions <clears throat> on how to live Christian polygamy on the website, <laughs> christianpolygamy.com. They suggest some maneuvers to be able to practice polygamy according to the law of the land, which they claim makes it okay with God. At the same time, it's staggering what they suggest, and we're going to share it with you. Oh, boy. <laughs> Christian polygamy is legal. You can have many wives in Christian polygamy simply by marrying one at a time in the traditional manner. You get a marriage license and then civilly marry her. You then civilly divorce her. You then get another marriage license for the next wife and then civilly marry her. You then civilly divorce her. You then continue to do this with each additional wife. If you do not provide any of these civilly divorced wives with a bill of divorcement, which is required by the Bible to be divorced, then the civil divorce will have no effect on your marital status. You will still be married to each of them according to the Bible. Divorcing a woman civilly but remaining married to her in the eyes of God is not a sin. <laughs> Working around the Oh, I fact, guess. Huh? Very, very creative maneuvers there. Now, the, the author of, of this very bad advice claims that in doing this, the civil government authority has been removed from the marriage. And after the divorces, <laughs> you will not be considered civilly married, but you will be married to each woman according to the Bible and therefore according to God. And he writes, this is the way of Christian polygamy. So you just don't give them a bill of divorcement, I guess. <laughs> well, you divorce them all and then just remain spiritually married to them. Right, right. And, yeah. and if you're divorced... <laughs> Crazy. Well, let's say that he by bypassed a few other scriptures to get to that one. And by the way, God cannot be maneuvered. He might, but God won't. But anyway, let's take a look at the scriptures that he overlooked. Matthew 5, 27, 28 says, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
Would that be what a man would be doing, divorcing and divorcing and divorcing? And the, I can't imagine a, lust isn't involved in every one of these cases. It has to has be. has to be. Absolutely. Matthew 15, 19 through 20 <clears throat> says, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what make a man unclean, but eat, eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. And, and I brought this one out because it, it brings out both adultery and sexual immorality, and he says that makes you unclean. It yeah. makes a man or a woman unclean. And then, of course, Proverbs. Yeah, 632. But a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. Whoever does so destroys himself. Self-destruction. Yeah. ChristianPolygamy.com writes that Christian men fear falling into temptation because they do not have a mate who can fulfill their desires, and they fear being alone in the world because there is none who shares all the things that they hold most dear. <laughs> According to this one man's opinion, these men need a woman who can satisfy their desires and fulfill their need for companionship. They are at risk of falling into temptation of extra marital relations his solution is that we can expect from his twisted logic we quote the solution is to take sufficient wives to prevent loneliness and unsatisfied desires from leading them into temptation paul said it is better to marry than to burn paul did not qualify this statement by saying that it applied to only single men. Well, <laughs> notice that his focus is only on the needs of the men here. Yeah, that's true. And actually, God did say this applied to single men. Yeah, oh yeah, in 1 Corinthians 7, <laughs> 8 through 9. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Okay, so he's talking about the unmarried, both male and female, and also widows uh, who can remarry legally. But despite this man's denial, this was written to the unmarried of, of all genders. <laughs> and how many times does God have to say something before it's considered to be true? Now, he goes on to write this. Paul was a Jew and well aware of the teachings of the Bible, which at that time included only the Old Testament, the Torah. The Torah did not forbid a married man from marrying an available woman. Well, <laughs> you know, that just depends on the, the focus that they have here. We can see his focus is very strange, and yes. maybe theirs were too. Actually, God did forbid a married man from taking more wives, and we've covered these verses many, many times in this series and in past shows as well. Then the writer goes on to justify his version of why polygamy is okay with God, and he tortures the biblical text again to bring out his own private and personal desires. <laughs> he writes that usually when a man needs additional wives, it's not because his first wife is lacking. The rest of what he says is quite disgusting. I don't think it's very politically correct, is what I'm <laughs> gathering here. It is simply that God did not create a super race of women, and there are some men for whom one woman simply is not enough. In most cases, there is nothing lacking in men who do not have a need for additional wives. 
They simply have been created by God in such a way that their lives are complete without additional wives. Some men, however, are driven by the very nature that God placed in them to go therefore and multiply. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, he told both the man and the woman to go and multiply. He didn't say it just to the man. Yeah, now notice how he's placing all the blame for men's sexual deviancy upon God. Yeah. God made them that way, so it's okay. He claims God made some men to have just one wife and some to have many wives and children. But we wonder why God didn't supply enough money to support all the wives and children that he supposedly created these men to have. Not only was, has he resorted to placing the blame upon God for a man's uncontrolled sexual lust, he resorts to shaming through the thou shalt not judge technique. We quote. Yeah, you've got to put a smile on your face. <laughs> Shame on you if you dare judge men who have been given by God an extra high level of testosterone. Men in their 30s, 40s, and 50s and older who feel no less desire for women than they did when they were 20 and whose drive in their 20s was triple the average man's drive. You cannot imagine what it's like to go through life with the drive of an 18 or 20 year old and be yoked with someone who has one seventh that drive. We are called upon to judge righteously, make a right judgment concerning this. The Bible allows a man to have more than one wife. <laughs> I don't know what you gather from this, but he's sure of pushing this the point must here, have, I think. He thinks he has a triple average testosterone mm -hmm. drive, I guess, at this yeah. age or something. I don't and know. And that his wife only had one seventh yeah, of that. Yeah, one seventh of that. Now, I notice this person never once quoted certain biblical texts, again, that oppose his scenarios. And we have some. Yeah, we have three of them again. <laughs> First Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. In 1 Corinthians 6:18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And in Galatians 5:22 and 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. <laughs> now that's only three. I could have picked many, many more, but sure. the importance of self-control, especially regarding sexuality, that this man completely ignored. In fact, he justified it, his lack yeah. of self-control by saying God made him that way. And, the, and of course, these verses are written equally to male and female. Now, we want to share some comments as we close the series uh, from viewers of people who went to his website, or there was more than one website. There's, there's two or three that I've gathered from. But it's, there were people who went to his website who made some comments. And so we have the, the website that, they, that we quoted this from. We want to share them with you. And yet just another way to make Christians look bad. I thought I'd seen it all when I read some Christians justifying spanking their wives for discipline. Now this, unbelievable. Unbelievable it is. And we agree. It's unbelievable what people believe. Our next quote. Another one. And according to the Bible, it is clear that multiple wives was and is not the desire of God. It's not God's desire because God is love and the practice brings jealousy, contention, not love. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. There is an abundant life in the Jesus of the Bible. But not if you're a plural wife. You don't get no. that abundant wife. Right. And then we have another Christian 
viewpoint about polygamy. But enough of the historical perspective. Let's get back to the heart of your question. The real issue here is your claim to be a Christian who loves several different women and who wants to build a family on the basis of responsible non-monogamy. That's an extremely risky proposition. Do you really believe you can make it work? Along with the biblical and theological difficulties, your plan has some serious practical, legal, and logistical flaws. What's more, it raises big questions about your understanding of the exclusivity of sexual love, which the biblical writers often use as a symbol for the exclusivity of our relationship with God. In short, we think it might be a good idea for you to sit down and have a serious discussion with someone about the personal motives behind your polyamorous designs. <laughs> and I think that's well said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't know if this, the writer of this website would sit down with a good Bible scholar, if he would have the courage to do that, or they, because there's more than one involved in I these. I think he wants to be where he's at, and he's just justifying it. That's all there he's is He's justifying to it. it through the Bible, yeah. which is what Mormon polygamists do. They justify their polygamy through the Bible as well. And ignore all the other scriptures that are to the contrary. To the contrary, exactly. They don't spend much time in the Bible, probably, do they? Just, no, no. They're, they're, <laughs> they pluck out those few that they want and then... Exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, I've seen they misinterpret it and they misplace sure. it and so on. Sure. And so we've covered and we've recovered and we've uncovered much conversation going on about the validity of polygamy, both Mormon polygamy and so-called Christian polygamy. No matter how it's twisted, it never comes out as being okay. And so we end with a final quote by Pastor Jermaine Johnson. But note that in the New Testament dispensation, there was no precedence given to the practice and that Jesus spoke out against the ill-gotten practices concerning husbands and wives. He is therefore calling us back to the high and noble customs of godliness, which he intended from the start. And for all those who are still convinced that polygamy is all right, let God be true, but every man a liar, Romans 3, 4. And I think that was a good way to end a series on this because we've yeah. read so, across so many scriptures that he has used. He's lied, actually. Uh, well, whoever they are that wrote these websites, they have lied about God. But God doesn't lie, <laughs> and man does. Yeah, man and does. twist things. And Again, I, I kind of have to get back to the lust aspect of it. I just... I just can't imagine people not shopping. <laughs> I mean, if you had, if you had polygamy as your practice, and you mm -hmm. were looking, you'd look at every woman as a possible. And they uh, do. They do to conquer or to control that person, and mm -hmm. it would take some interesting uh, and I, personalities. And I, uh, some some polygamous wives, ex-polygamous wives, have said that's been one of their real uh, pain, in, as experience as a wife, uh, polygamous wife, is that they sit back and watch their husbands do the shopping for another wife. Well, and flirt uh -huh. and do whatever they can to... And they don't try to hide it because they're polygamous. They don't need to hide it. Right. But it hurts her when she sees it going on. I can't imagine how, how tough it would be. Yeah. Yeah, and, and no. I myself did not go through that. I saw what my mother went through as a polygamous wife, but I personally didn't go through it, and I can't imagine how yeah. awful it would you be You said, either. no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't want any part of it because it is a painful life. Um, and, and some are more painful than others, obviously. Yeah. Some homes are different than others. But anyway, Christian polygamy isn't, <laughs> and Mormon polygamy also is not Christian at all. Thank you for oh, sharing and sharing. It's so fascinating. With this, Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate yeah. your help. 
uh, and saving my voice as you read all these <laughs> for me and for giving your insight into this too. You know, Lewis Berry Schaefer was a former president of the Dallas Theological uh, Seminary and he said, quote, all heresy is either the Bible plus or the Bible minus. In the heresy of Christian polygamy, they've done both. They've twisted almost every Bible passage they quoted. They've misused the original biblical language. They've taken out of context and reinserted into different contexts. Gave no, God gave no human being the job of editor of his book or the right to reinterpret what he wrote. I suspect that's one reason why he has said the same thing so many times and in so many places within the Bible because it's impossible to find them all and change them or remove them all. But again, our purpose is to point people to Jesus Christ alone and nothing, including polygamy, and no one else is to be our focus because Jesus is everything we need. Thanks for watching. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.